is the meaning of life? What does it mean to wrestle with the fact that we are the certainty of death? Um, what's a relationship and how does that function? I think these are just being human questions. They're perennial big human questions and they attract a lot of people. We have all of these awesome things like the open curriculum and SNC and the various different aspects of that that make it really easy to say, oh, I can do everything I want to do. And I should have no reason to be struggling because I have all of these resources to back me up. It's hard to quantify, like, what is happiness? Um, But for me, it just felt like a lack of competition, really. I just felt like Brown was a pretty collaborative environment. And so that was, I think, contributing to students' overall well-being, just because you had people who were a little bit more willing to support one another instead of trying to get ahead of one another. Many people know Brown as the Happy Ivy. And the Princeton Review ranked Brown as the 10th happiest campus in the country. If you're curious, Tulane is ranked as number one. Last fall, the Herald, in collaboration with the Brown Opinion Project, conducted surveys about students' well-being at Brown. Around 81% of participants said that they were either very happy or somewhat happy, and about 9% reported that they were somewhat unhappy. Roughly 1% reported being very unhappy, and the rest were neutral or chose not to respond. At the same time, a UCS fall poll last year, which surveyed roughly one-third of the undergraduate student body, found that only 10% of polled students were somewhat satisfied or very satisfied with Brown's Counseling and Psychological Services, or CAPS, while 20% of polled students were either somewhat dissatisfied or very dissatisfied. The rest of respondents were neutral, did not use CAPS, or did not respond. So why does Brown have this reputation, and when did it start? Is it really true? This is episode five of our season on Myths at Brown. My name is Elise Barakat, Bruno Brief producer and staff writer. And I'm Samantha Renzulli, Bruno Brief producer. This is the Bruno Brief. In 2015, The Herald published a three-part series on mental health at Brown. Kate Tallarico, a former managing editor at The Herald, originally reported the series. She found that while CAPS had been increasing its resources, student demand was rising at a rate it could not adequately keep up with. Tallarico found that the reputation of Brown as a happy place led students to feel inadequate when they didn't feel happy. I spoke with Tallarico, who now works as a freelance journalist, about the series. I think that that series really came at a time where um, colleges and their role in students' mental health um, was becoming this issue that people were getting into. You know, like what people were asking, what responsibility does a university have um, when it comes to students' mental health? Tallarico said she believes that the perception of Brown being connected with happiness has been part of the university's marketing, or mythology, for years. She noted that despite this perception of Brown, there's not a universal happy Ivy experience. Even though, as you said, like, Brown has this reputation as the happiest Ivy, that doesn't mean that people aren't going through their own things um, all the time. And 
And so that's what I wanted to highlight is how students were navigating um, Brown's mental health system and the support systems that were put in place. Mental health is just a part of life anywhere, even at the happiest Ivy. <laughs> Today, students are able to get a counseling appointment within one week of requesting one, according to Brian Ford, the Director of Counseling and Psychological Services. Since 2016, there's been no limit on the number of sessions a student can have. In the Herald's Fall 2022 poll, about 20% of respondents said they made appointments with CAPS during the semester, around 8% responded that they wanted to but were unable, and roughly 70% responded that they did not try to make an appointment. Luke Bryady is a member of Students for Samaritans on campus. The group works with the Samaritans of Rhode Island organization to raise awareness about mental health and suicide prevention and staff the state's largest suicide prevention hotline. Bryady shared that when they missed their CAPS appointment, the lack of follow-up from CAPS concerned him. I realized after it had passed that I'd missed it, and I was like, oh, well, they'll probably call me to reschedule. They never did, and it's just things like that where if a student is actively seeking out mental health resources and then for some reason it falls through, it feels like that should be a case where said mental health resources should probably be checking on said student. Bryant Ford declined to comment on an individual student's experience with CAPS. Bridie also raised concerns about the accuracy of Brown's reputation as the Happy Ivy and the impact this perception has on the university's student culture. I think that that title sort of connotes like blithe, blind joy, where I, in my work with the Samaritans, very clearly see that that is resoundingly not the case for many, many students because of all of the struggles that they've seen in their lives. There's a lot of pressure to always be really happy doing what you're doing because why should you be unhappy in a class that you actually 100% fully chose to take? Why should you feel overworked when you signed on for everything and you really didn't have to do it all? Ford, the director of CAPS, told me that mental health services in general have changed over the past few years because of the pandemic, with more therapists obtaining licenses in other states to conduct online appointments. There has also been an increase in conversations around mental health. I still think there's a stigma associated with mental health and people accessing it, but I do think the coverage from the media during the time of the pandemic expanded our our language and sometimes our nomenclature related to mental health and well-being, which I'm really excited about. Unfortunately, I had to take a pandemic to do that. People are being more and more vocal about the ways in which they either might be doing okay or struggling. It's hard because with physical health, there is something that people can see. Um, they can see a bandaged arm or they can see a broken leg. People can't see what depression looks like or they may not be able to see what um, anxiety might look like for some folks. Ford highlighted that people of different identities may also be impacted in different ways. A lot of students of color sometimes 
will come here and sometimes struggle with belonging. And uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, maybe they experience microaggressions that in some ways could impact their ability to feel like they connect here. Um, and, and so in that respect, I'm, I'm glad that we have a service like CAPS because it could be a place for our students to come and unpack some of those concerns. Ford added that there is often an increased level of stigma regarding mental health within communities of color, which can affect the way students access treatment. They may either come from places where family members are not supportive of them seeking treatment, or, the, or they may be international students who are coming from places where there may not much, be much language connected to things like depression or anxiety. And so I do think um, that can sort of affect them when they come to campus because many of these students might find adjustment to Brown could be challenging, and they may not know that a service like CAPS can be helpful in helping them navigate that. He explained that having a diverse staff may encourage people from different backgrounds to start therapy. CAPS has evolved in that we have added more staff, more clinicians to our team. Our staff is more diversified um, so that we're able to meet some of the unique needs of our students. As for the origins of Brown's reputation as the Happy Ivy, Ford says he feels people are happier at Brown because of the school's laid-back atmosphere. I spoke with several students in the Blue Room earlier this semester about this perception of Brown. All of them had heard about Brown's reputation, most before even stepping onto College Hill. They all believed it held true. Here's Hannah Sun. Like I was sitting outside on like the main green today, and I was like looking out, out like on the main green. Everybody looked really like happy and relaxed. Um, I think it's a cozy environment. I think I think it's a happy IP. Margarita Micheletti Eno Hall said she originally learned about Brown's image online from a list of colleges, but the reputation fully set in while comparing her visit to Brown with other schools, where she'd heard about how stressed and overworked the student body was. And then I got to Brown, and everyone was talking about, like, oh, we're pretty happy. Have you seen this list? And I was like, ah, this sounds like a good place to be then. Gidget Rosen said she heard about Brown's reputation back in high school. Rosen attended what she called an ultra-competitive school and was pleasantly surprised when people weren't discussing their high school extracurriculars or SAT and ACT scores her first year. Other students similarly highlighted the more relaxed academic environment as a potential explanation for why Brown is perceived as a happy university. Here's Micheletti Inojal again. Brown tries to make the experience as non-stressful as possible, which, like, obviously school is always going to be stressful, but things like the open curriculum or SNC or not having GPAs or not having plus and minuses, like, all those things, I think, make it a lot less toxic academically. And here's her friend, Cecilia Martin Garcia. Interpersonally, that's also true. Like, people really push their friends to do the most and help them when they need it, uh, which is just a really nice feeling. Like, I have had countless essays read and edited by my friends, um, and that has been, like, so, so helpful. Just feeling like you're not, um, like, competing against anyone. Everyone's just on their own path, and people really respect that. But Martine Garcia noted that she wasn't always so happy at Brown. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Martine Garcia found that it was challenging to maintain her mental health as a result of strict restrictions. Having those small pods and 
um, not being able to interact as openly with other community members was a very isolating feeling at times. And I think that, at least for me, sophomore year was not an easy year for those reasons. I thought after COVID that, um, you know, I was seeing a lot more student stress, brittleness. Um, they were students were breaking a bit more easily than they were before. That was Michael Satlow, professor of Judaic and Religious Studies. He teaches the class RELS 10, Happiness and the Pursuit of the Good Life. Satlow said he created the class in response to the student stress he saw after the pandemic. He told us he expected 40 students to take the class. Then it exploded. Now, the class has a current enrollment of 408, half of whom are seniors. The class gives students a space to talk about life's biggest questions. The course is divided into three parts, where the entire first part is simply trying to grapple with the meaning of, of happiness and the good life. What is it? What's the goal? Where are we heading? Uh, and then after that, we can get more into kind of how do we understand ourselves um, and what are the ways in which we sabotage our own quest for well-being. Um, and then at the end, it's, well, what can you actually do to help you to, to move toward a better sense of well-being? Satlow was originally surprised to see so many students interested in the course, but he said it made sense that there was such a need for the class after COVID. Sometimes people lose track, especially when you're younger, of um, kind of ultimate goals. Like, what are you doing with your knowledge and where are you going with it? Um, And that could bring a certain level of um, kind of drifting and unhappiness. When planning the course, he realized that positive psychology intersected with a lot of the religious texts he has studied. The course aims to put those fields in dialogue in a way that may be helpful to student well-being. His class has also discussed what it means to attend the happiest Ivy. When they have periods of unhappiness, as they inevitably do, as everybody inevitably does, they feel more responsible. So if here in the happiest Ivy, they are having periods of unhappiness. What does that say about them? So this labeling uh, isn't particularly good for at least some students' sense of well-being. That's it for this week's episode of The Bruno Brief. Tune in next week to hear from Finn Kirkpatrick about the history of weed at Brown. This episode was produced by Elise Barraket, Liana Hagis, Finn Kirkpatrick, Daphne Dolzneski, Matthias Gersberg, Sonia McNatt, Olivia Tingley-Kelly, Jacob Smolin, and me, Samantha Renzulli. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to The Bruno Brief and leave a review. Thanks for listening.